Jesus died for, I do it with a lot of respect. Uh, I don't come standing here meaning, uh, trying to prove that I know something. But I know Jesus Christ. Uh, The prophet says one time, he said, people say, I don't know the Bible. He said, that might be true. But one thing I know is Jesus. Amen. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. And uh, thank you, Pastor, for giving me the opportunity to stand here. And uh, um, came with my wife as, as she showed her hand. And uh, we are just here to fellowship around the Word of God. And uh, I was really touched myself by seeing the video. I didn't know that the Pastor uh, prepared it for today. Um, you know, sometimes when you are in the midst of something, sometimes you don't really... Uh, see how great or how big it is until you see it from outside. You know, so like some people say, think outside of the box. That's right. You know, uh, by looking at the, the video, I, I'm shocked. 
I'm shocked. Uh, if you ever been in Congo, uh, who have been in Congo here? I know there's some Congolese here. Uh, it's a poor country. It's poor, very poor. Uh, but by God's grace, God is doing something that is a miracle. It's really, um, it's really a miracle. Uh, the way God is working. And uh, like Brother Madiba said, it takes a vision. You know, my dad usually said many times that serving the Lord, it's not to have money. You don't serve the Lord when you have money. You serve the Lord because you have the desire. If what you want to do requires money, God will provide the money. If what you want to do requires transportation, God will provide a car. So that's why you should ask yourself, why, what do I have a car for? Is that just to go to work? For my belly? Or is my car for the service of Jesus Christ? Why do I have a cell phone for? Just for chatting? WhatsApp? Emo? Whatever that is. Or it is to chat with Jesus Christ. Are you using your cell phone to criticize? To tell someone about someone else's life? Or are you using it for the benefit of the kingdom of God? So we should review a lot of the things that we do in life. Because we are Christians. That's, that's my subject this morning. It's a question. Am I a Christian? Many times we question other people. I don't know if they are Christian. I wonder if they are Christian. If they were Christian, they wouldn't do this. But the question is me. Am I a Christian? Amen. That's, a, that's a, something that I meditate on for myself. Am I a Christian? If I'm a Christian, what does a Christian life look like? If you haven't found it, you are not a Christian yet. Amen. So we thank God for what he's doing in our country, uh, trying to spread the word of God around the world in French and in our local language. And uh, now we are trying to work on, um, on a project for the people who don't read. Because, you know, in Africa, a lot of the people don't read. They need to hear something. So we are trying to take the message and uh, like uh, uh, we did in French, a, a voiceover in our dialects so that people in a uh, uh, remote area who don't read, but they can only listen, so they can at least listen to the voice of the prophet, the message of the other, because before the rapture takes place, every seed of God must hear. They have to. If you are the only Christian in your school, make sure they listen. The only Christian at work, make sure they listen. Because in the day of judgment, if God sends them to hell, they will say, I didn't know. Why are you sending me to hell? Nobody told me about this. And God calls you and says, you, weren't you with this person at work? Yes, I was. But what did you do with the message? He didn't reject it. I have to save them. <laughs> Amen. 
So it's a responsibility of every believer to spread the message. It's your responsibility. Don't be quiet. The Bible says we, be, we speak because we believe. If you believe, you must speak. Don't be quiet. Amen. So that's what we're trying to, to do. And uh, um, pray for us. We need your prayer. Uh, it's a big undertaking. And it requires a lot of resources. It requires men that are strong. To go to remote, there is a brother who is a minister in our, in our, our church. He went to the jungle of Africa. You know, I'm talking about the real jungle, like way inside there, where there is the pygmy. Have you heard about the pygmy? Uh, there is wonderful people, but they, but they are about one meter high. They can't grow over that. <laughs> They're very short people, but they love the Lord so much. So he went there and uh, um, <laughs> they've never seen light. So he brought, uh, he brought lights. He brought a little, uh, what do you call that little? Uh, no, no, no. This little engine that produces electricity. What you? Generator, that's right. He brought a little generator and microphone. And people were coming just trying to touch the mic. They've never seen it in their life. They've never seen light. Like this light here. They were shocked to see something appear like a sun in the midst of the night. So guess what? The whole village came in and they heard the word of God and he baptized about 30 people. Because of this. (laughs) God is good. God is good, my friend. So the prophet spoke about the jungle of Africa, the message getting there, and it's been fulfilled. It's been fulfilled. The pygmy are receiving the message. You know, they don't know anything about marriage. They just live any life. They don't wear much clothes on. But when the word of God came, they dressed up. Amen. They dressed up. And uh, last time I was here in Joburg, I spoke to a few believers I said, some of you have this big uh, uh, wardrobe. There's clothes in there that you never wore for the last three months. You don't even know that shoes exist anymore. You never know that skirt is there. Because three months has gone by, you don't even look at it. But there's somebody somewhere who just needs one skirt, one shoes, one pants. So a few believers got a few clothes and I brought it in the Congo and then it was shipped there. And I was glad to see the believers singing with those clothes on. So, um, uh, so we thank the Lord for that. Trying to do the best we can to make someone's life easier. Amen. So let's stand. Uh, I won't take much time. How long do we have? We have much time. Much time, all right. <laughs> we have much time. <laughs> That's very good. So... Um, it's 11, and uh, we have much time. So <clears throat> we open our Bible um, in the book of Romans chapter 12. We'll read just verse 1 and verse 2. How many read the, the, the Bible this, this weekend? All right. 
just in case you didn't read, we read together. <laughs> just to help you. We'll read together Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to verse 2. And then we'll also read John chapter 3, verse 5 to 7. Are you there? Okay, let's read together. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good. An acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Amen. Let's read John chapter 5. Sorry, John chapter 3, verse 5 to 7. Are you there? Yes. All right, let's go. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for your presence. We thank you this morning that you are real. We thank you this morning, Father, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You change not. Lord God, what a privilege to have a God of William Branham. To have a God that came down in this last day and purchased us, O God, with your own blood. Lord Jesus, as we have assembled ourselves here today, we pray that you take preeminence over the service. Myself, my mind, and my thoughts. Oh God, everything that I've prepared, I've committed to you today. If there is anything, Father, that you want your people to hear, I pray for inspiration that comes from you, oh God. May you anoint the hearers of your people today. May they receive what you have prepared for them. May the word of God go deep into their hearts and bring a transformation. Oh God, may we will say at the end of the service that our heart were burning within us when he spoke to us along the way. Lord, we pray that you take preeminence, control, and direction of the service as we surrender ourselves to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As I said, um, I just wanted to share with you this little thought this morning. Um, And it's a question that each believer must ask themselves. Am I a Christian? The prophet says when we come to the house of God, we come to examine ourselves. We don't come to church to look at each other. We don't come to church to see how you dress or how she's dressing. 
But we come to church to examine my life according to the word of God. So don't point finger to anyone, you know, uh, they are or she is or he is. But look at yourself. Point finger to yourself. And look into the word of God and see if your life matches the word of God. And uh, uh, as I said, am I a Christian? As I was studying this, uh, I was just studying it for myself. Because I believe before you preach, you need to live what you're preaching. You need to try to, to, to understand what you're saying. Preaching is not just reading some scripture and come and expose. This is not an exposition. This is a life uh, uh, that you live, that you want to transmit to the people. And the prophet says that you don't have to be perfect to preach. But it's the desire of your heart. I want God to take this word and make it life to myself. And then that word, will, when it comes up, it comes to help all of us together. Amen. So we realize that the Bible says, as we read, um, if we can just open in the book of Second Corinthians, please. Uh, verse 17. First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So when you are in Christ, your old life is passed away. It's something that you don't even want to talk about. But behold, you become a new creature in Jesus Christ. But let me just give an example. Um, uh, today, what we call Christianity... We usually tie it to people that carry the Bible. We call them Christians. But we found out quickly that to be a Christian is not to carry your Bible. I can give you an example. Uh, I've been to a Jew's synagogue. And uh, a friend gave me the Torah, their Bible. I love reading the Torah. It's taught me so many good things. And uh, I read it a lot. And, but I came to realize to be a Jew is not to read the Torah. Because I have the Torah at, my, at home. I read it. And they actually gave me that little cup that they put on top of the head before they pray. And one day when I was in a synagogue, they told me this is the way you carry the Bible. Because they believe that the, the Torah is the divine teaching that Moses received from God for our instruction. So when a Jew read the Torah, they believe this is God in written form. So I was there and sitting there and listening to the uh, rabbi speaking. And you know, as our habits, we don't have respect for, the book, for this book. I took the, uh, the Torah and I put it on the floor close to me. 
And the man who was sitting close to me picked it up right quick. And he looked at me and said, you don't put God on the floor. Amen. I was shocked. Many times, many of us, brother, look at where your Bible is. We, took, we take this book, which is God in written form. We place it anywhere and we are at peace. This is not right. The Jews, they understand who God is. And they have complete respect for the word of God. This man took the, 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 the Torah. He wiped it around and he kissed it. And he gave it to me. He says, hold it with respect. Because this is my God. From that day on, it changed me completely. I don't put anything on top of the Bible. The Bible is Jesus Christ in written form. We should give a respect. But it does not make me a Jew. Because I have the Torah. It does not make me a Jew one bit. I'm still who I am. Even though I'm reading the Torah every day or whenever I have a chance. It's the same thing with the Muslim. I have the, the Quran. I read it. It's a good book. It's not bad. <laughs> it's a good book. They said so many good things. They, they spoke about Jesus. In it. They call him Isa. It's not bad. But it does not make me a Muslim. It's the same thing when you read the Bible. There is Jews that read the Bible, but they are not Christians. There is a lot of people that study the Bible, but they are not Christian. And the Jew says, to be a Jew, you must be born a Jew. You don't join to become a Jew. You become a Jew by birth. And that is the same thing with Christianity. You don't join Christianity, but you are born Christian. Amen. That's why we read Jesus says, you must be born again. You can't just say I'm a Christian. No. You must be born to become a Christian. Amen. It's not something that when you come to church, you believe I became a Christian because I go to this church. I become a Christian because I carry my Bible every day. I become a Christian because I read every scripture every day. You are lying to yourself. Until you are born again, you will never understand the kingdom of God. Amen. The prophet says um, in a message, the Philadelphian church age. He says, he's talking about the Mohammedan, the, 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 uh, the people of Islam. He says, they are so hard to win. You can't just tell them anything and they believe it. They are so hard to win. It seems that once a Mohammedan, always a Mohammedan. Once a Muslim, for life. Once a Christian, for life. You can't be a Christian today, backslide tomorrow. You've never been one before. You are a Christian for life. That's why you see today, someone can accept to carry a bomb and explode themselves. 
Because he believed I was born to die. You can only die for something if you were born in it. Amen. Why today Christians are so like jellyfish? No strength whatsoever. A little bit of temptation, they are gone. In front of a cigarette, they suck it. In front of a woman, they fall. Why? It's because you've never been one before. Once a Christian, always a Christian. Amen. The prophet says this. He says in the uh, uh, event made clear by prophecy. Many, how many ever read the Quran? The Muhammadan's Bible. And the book of the Buddhist and so forth. It's just a code of ethic. What people, uh, what people should live and how they should live. But what it, do, it does not prophesy. It, say, it, does say, it doesn't say anything about the things or about a special gift. It's just a book of ethics. Just to tell people how to live. How to be good. Don't steal. Don't do this and don't do that. But it does not have any prophecy. But the Bible has a prophecy. Amen. It prophesies things for the future. I won't uh, spend much time on that. Let me just move on forward. The prophet says this. If a man is ever born of the spirit of God. Not a make belief. But a real filled with God's spirit. He is sealed in him. He is sealed in there till the day of redemption. He will be Christ like today. He will be Christ like tomorrow. He will be Christ like the next day. In the trial, he is Christ like. In trouble, he is Christ like. In hunger, he is Christ like. Enjoy his Christ-like. Everywhere you see him or her, they are Christ-like for they are sealed with the Holy Ghost. So Christianity is not something that you say you are. Christianity is a life. And a life starts by birth. Amen. A life starts by a birth. If you are not born, you cannot live. Before we saw Jesus, the person, he was a seed first. Then he was born. Then we saw him. Then we fellowship with him. So for me to fellowship with a Christian, you must go through the same process. You must be a seed of God. You must be born. And then we fellowship together. Amen. That's what the prophet says. When you receive the Holy Ghost inside of you, you are Christ-like. That's Christianity. You will live the same life Jesus Christ lived. In hunger, you will be Christ-like. When you don't have money in the bank, when things go sideways, when the whole church turns against you, you will remain Christ-like. Amen. The prophet says in the message, Influence. He says, you are a living and written epistles read of all men. So when we are looking at your life, 
We are seeing the scriptures. We are seeing God speaking. The way you dress. The way you talk. The way you handle situation. Like we were speaking yesterday. You know, among the believer, we will have problems. Problems have to be where people are. There is no church without a problem. There is no family without a problem. A good family have problems. Amen. Good family have problems. But the problem is we need problems management. That's what we, we miss. We don't know how to manage problems. And when problems comes in a church, everybody starts to look at the background. Everybody starts to look at themselves. If it was me, I would, deal, deal, I would deal with it this way. If I was the pastor, I would do it this way. If I was that sister, I would do it this way. Be a Christian in the midst of problems. Amen. Let the people say, that sister, that brother, they are Christians. Because I'm shocked at the way they handle the situation. The prophet says, in the message, uh, the prophet Elisha, he says, that's the reason the gospel, the Christianity is one of the lowest religion today. The Mohammedans outshine it by millions. Christianity is low. Why? Because we have failed to do what Jesus told us to do. He says, go into all the world and demonstrate the power of the Holy Ghost to all people. Demonstrate the power of God. How do you demonstrate the power of God? It's not by sitting quiet, not saying anything. It's not by just saying, I'm a Christian. But it's the way you live. It's the way you handle situations. It's the way you treat one another. It's the way you treat the pastor. It's the way you treat the deacon. It's the way you treat your wife. It's the respect between the believers that demonstrate who you really are. The prophet says, in a message, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says, look, the people's... um, uh, he was talking about, he was talking about with, um, with somebody. He says, look, you people had 2,000 years to prove that your Lord raised from the dead. 2,000 years. He says, only one third of the world ever heard about it. He said, let our prophet raise from the dead. So he was talking, uh, this was a Mohammedan speaking. Let our prophet raise from the dead, he, which he will someday... And the whole world will know it in 24 hours. That's right. You see Christianity? Not Christianity, but the minister of Christianity has totally failed. Minister of Christianity, which we are. We failed. Look at the Muslim today. I was in uh, uh, Malaysia. They were telling me there, it's against the law to testify Jesus Christ to a Malay person. Against the law. And you can go to prison for that. They want to preserve the Islam. But when you come to Christianity, we can listen to anything. I'm a Christian. He won't do me any, 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 any harm. Really? 
You can listen to any music. You can go to any, any place. You can hang around with unbelievers. You go to a bar to make business deals. Where they are unbelievers, you know, I just want to make my deals. You are not a Christian. How would they know that we are Christian? If we don't demonstrate the power of Jesus Christ. When you stand with a Muslim, they are not ashamed to tell you I'm a Muslim. Because the way they dress proves their first. When you approach them, you approach them with wisdom. Because you don't know what they carry. <laughs> one day, one day we were flying. <laughs> we're flying and we're sitting on the plane already. And the pilot said, well, we're waiting for, you know, uh, one last passenger to come in. And we're just sitting there. We just saw this man comes in, beard down here, long robe. I'm telling you, the whole plane was shaking. <laughs> Say, God, we commit this flight into your hands. Why are we afraid? Because they know they can kill everybody. It does not mean anything to them. But Christians, we shake about everything. In front of a problem, we don't know how to deal with it. We start shaking around, looking for help. But they don't look for help. I am the help. I am the solution to the problem I face. If I go somewhere, they told me, go destroy. I do it without no question. Because they respect their prophets. They respect their elders. What the elder says, it does saith the Lord to them. But when it comes to us Christians, we are so shy. I don't want to read the Bible because I don't want them to be offended. I don't want to talk to them about Jesus. You know, I just want my life to live it. No. Your life won't live, won't testify all the time. Sometimes you need to talk. Sometimes you need to speak. You need to be bold once in a while. Don't just be shy. That's why the gospel today can reach the entire world. Because Christians are shy. They are afraid to testify. You go to some, you know, young, some young people in school, they are afraid to read the Bible. I don't want people to be embarrassed. Who's embarrassed? Is that you or them? But you look at the Muslims. When it's 12, they don't care if at work, at school, whatever it is. They will stop and kneel down and worship. Because uh, Islam is not just a religion. I am Islam. You understand? Christianity is not a doctrine. Christianity is not the Bible. But I am Christianity. If you are looking for a Christian, I am the address. Amen. You don't look for Christianity. I am one. If you want to see the power of God, come and show you one. But the reason is, we don't trust in God. We don't trust that God is able. We start to judge situation. God is able to do this. But this one, I'm not too sure. Maybe he will. Now you are coming to prayer with question. God, can you please? Can you please? You don't come to God. Please, please, please. No. A husband, a wife that will come to the husband. Can you please give me the money? Can you please help the house? You don't know who you are. Husband. 
time to give me money. Because you know who you are. You know who you are. You don't plead with the husband to provide for the house. It's your responsibility. Go work. If you have a husband that loves sleeping, wake him up. Who will provide? Go to work. Do your job. Because you know who you are. I'm the bride of Jesus Christ. I'm not just there, God please, God please. But when I'm standing, the prophet says, tell him who you are. I am your bride. You paid the price for me. You died on the cross for me. You send me a prophet. You reveal the message to me. And today you are living in my life. And that's what Jesus says. Father, I know you hearest me. He was not questioning who God, if God listens. But he knew that when I speak, God will listen. And that's what a true believer is. When I speak, God must listen. Because it is responsibility to listen to my prayers. The prophet says, you must be born again. What is to be born again? This is just according to the dictionary. To be born again is to be changed to a divine nature. To change from a character. To be transformed. This is what being born again means. It means to transform into some beautiful something. It says it's to be amazing. You want to be amazing? When we sing amazing grace. Who's amazing grace? Think about that. Is it God or you? When you are born again, you become amazing. People look at you, they're like, wow. You don't smoke. You don't drink. You don't have a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You don't watch soccer. What makes you happy? They are amazed at the way you are. They don't understand. The prophet says, you become a mystery. People are wondering, how do you get your happiness? My happiness comes because I understand who I am. I am the bride of Jesus Christ. I don't need to drink to have a boyfriend or girlfriend or to go to a bar to be happy. That's not happiness. Happiness is when Jesus comes into my life and transforms me from an old man to a new man. Amen. I am not the same anymore. Born again means to become magical. To become unbelievable. I'm unbelievable. You can't believe what I am. Because something took place. Like we sing that song. Something happened. When did it happen? I might not know what happened. But I know from that day. When I was in the church. The word of God was preached. I felt the spirit of God comes. And from that day, I've never been the same. Amen. I've become unbelievable. People look at you. Like I had a friend one time at school. 
uh, we were good friends. Then somehow, he started going with this girl and the girl fell pregnant. And he didn't know what to do. And he comes to me. They used to laugh at me. They call me, you know, all kinds of names because I was refusing to be with girls. And he comes and tells me, my friend, I wish I were you. Look at what happened. I don't have money. I got nothing. The girl is pregnant. What am I going to do? Please pray for me. You know that day I realized I got something that he needed. Sometimes the prophet says, we underestimate what we got. You don't, you underestimate the Holy Ghost that is inside of you. Because we imagine when I have the Holy Ghost, I will fly. When I have the Holy Ghost, everything is perfect. No. When the Holy Ghost comes, so many imperfect things comes up. Because it's coming to clean you up. It's coming to transform you. So that you can say, I was this. Now, by the grace of God, I become this. Amen. You become magical. You know, in Africa here, we, we have a lot of witches. You know, witches, we think they are magical. We don't understand how they operate. Some people say they fly. Some people say they... We don't understand those things. Somebody says, if you want to understand a witch, become one. Then you will have a better understanding of what a witch life is. If you want to become a Christian, become one. Amen. You can stand on the outside and say, I want to be a Christian. I want to be a Christian. You will never have that peace. You will never have a clear understanding until you become one. The prophet says, you must be born again. He says, until you are born again, you will never understand. This understanding is not the understanding of what you read. No. This understanding is a revelation of who you are. You can never be born again until you are, you, I mean, sorry, you, you are born again until you are, you understand who you really are. Expect a man is born, is born again. He even cannot see the kingdom of God. Today, I realize many people are praying for the Holy Ghost. God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. But the question is, are you born again? Are you born again? Judas was, born, was filled with the Holy Ghost. How many knows that? It was God's Spirit. And God's Spirit is always holy. So he had the Holy Ghost. And Judas did great miracles. He healed the sick. He done great miracles in the church. Can you imagine people who brother Judas healed? They said, God be blessed. This is the servant of God. He put his hand upon me. I am healed. Only Jesus knew he was a demon. Can you imagine? He was in the church. Everybody admired him. He had power. To pray for the sick and they were healed. Nobody knew he was a demon but Jesus himself. And Jesus never criticized brother Judas. It's not in the Bible. Jesus never called a disciple and said, Hey, that guy, 
the demon. No. Jesus was a Christian. He kept it for himself. That's <laughs> Amen. The prophet says, he says, there is no excuse. He will in no wise, no wise at all, cannot in any other way, no matter how great you are, what is his name, how big you are, or how popular you are, you cannot even understand the kingdom of God until you are born again. Amen. He says, anything that lives against, got to die first. He says, and you cannot keep your same spirit. You cannot keep your same habit. You cannot keep your same thought. You got to die. <clears throat> Sorry. You got to die on his altar. Like Abel did with his lamb. You've got to die with the lamb. You got to die. Die to your own thinking. To be born again to his thinking. What does God think about you? Have you ever thought about it? When you are down there thinking, I'm tired, nothing works. I tried this business, failed. I tried this work, it didn't work. I tried to go uh, love this sister. The sister dumped me. You know, I tried to, to <laughs> nothing works. And you are sitting there crying. Oh God, oh God, woe is me, woe is me. God is looking at you and said, do you know who you are? You can change your circumstance if you want to. Moses was one day crying before God. There is the, the Red Sea in front of me. There is the, uh, the, 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 the Egyptian behind me. What can I do, God? Israel was pushing Moses. Moses, do something. We should have stayed there. Why did you bring us here? Now look at what's happening. The Red Sea in front of us. The Egyptian behind us. Where are we going to go, Moses? Moses was under pressure. God, what must I do? God looked at Moses and said, what do you want me to do? Why cry? Speak. Moses, did you forget that you're the one who created flies? Moses, did you forget that you created frogs? Did you forget that you changed water into blood? Now in front of another trial, you are crying. This is us believers. We always cry out. Always murmuring. Always crying out. God come, God come. Until when God will trust you. Until when God will say, I have a son and a daughter somewhere that I can trust. In front of any problem, you cry out like a baby. Stand up. Be a Christian. I am a child of God. God told Moses, he says, Moses, I've got enough of you crying like a baby. Stand up and do what you're supposed to do. What do you have in your hands, Moses? Oh, I have a stick. Then do what you're supposed to do with it. Moses took the same thing that he always had. Sometimes we think we need some new things. No, you don't need any new things. You already got it. Amen. You got what you need. God is giving you all the talent that you need for your life journey. You don't need any new things. You don't need any new experience. You've got everything with you. 
just use what you got. Amen. And you will see the power of God comes on the scene. The prophet says, there is only one way you can get it. You can get it. And that's by birth. You are born into you are born into the church of Jesus Christ and a member of his body and of the spiritual delegation of heaven. You know, uh, I came to realize that we don't believe the message really well. This is my personal opinion. I came to realize that we profess the message, but we don't believe it. Because if we believe what the prophet says, it will fix a lot of problems. If I am, as the prophet says, you are a spiritual delegation from heaven. So I'm not from the earth. I'm from heaven. If I'm from heaven, I will think like they do in heaven. I'm Congolese. I can't think like a South African. Impossible. No, I can't. I cannot think like a South African because it's not, I was not born into it. I was born in Congo. And I was raised with a Congolese habit and way of thinking, way of eating. Amen. There is certain food that you can't eat because you are not a Congolese. I can only eat it because I'm from there. If you are from heaven, there are things you must do naturally. You don't force it. When you start forcing to come to church, they're dragging you to church. They're pushing you to read your Bible. You are not from there. If you are from there, you, it becomes part of your living. When you wake up in the morning, you think like they think in heaven. The prophet says, Christian, oh, you must have a personal relationship to God. In order to be a son of God, you must become relation to God. You must become a family member. You don't choose your family member. You accept them because that's they are. That's the way it is. The prophet says, I was born Branham. Even if I'm deformed, I'm still a Branham. And the Branham will never reject me. Because I'm part of him. We have the same blood. Amen. <coughs> when you come from heaven, you are the same family with Jesus Christ. You share the same family values. Jesus says, the Bible says, as it was his customs, he went to church. How many believers go to church? How many believers go to church? Not a lot nowadays. Brother, I got two jobs. Times are tough. God will understand. He won't understand because he does not think that way. <clears throat> because it's our customs to go to church. It's our customs to pay our tithes. It's our customs to, to fellowship with believers. No, if I'm believers. 
But when you see someone, they start attaching themselves with unbelievers. And they give you different reasons why something is wrong with them. The prophet says, there is one thing that will produce that. That's the new birth. The new birth is the only thing that will produce relationship with God. Here's the question I want to get you. The man says, what do we do then after we've been born again? So many ask me that question. What should I do then, Brother Branham? If you are born again, your entire nature is changed. You are dead to the things you once thought. When this takes place, the thing you will do then, you will find out that the spirit that comes in you from the new birth, you will believe and do everything that God says out of his word. Everything that the Bible quotes for you to do, you will punctuate an amen. You won't question. The prophet says, and you will not stop day and night till you receive it. And in all this time, you will certainly above everything bear the fruit of the spirit. You will speak. You say, will I speak with tongues? You might do that. And you might not. Will I shout? You might do that or you might not. But there is one sure thing you will do. You will bear the fruit of the spirit. And the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, faith, long-suffering, meekness, gentleness, and patience. You've never seen a mango tree bring out bananas. Never. You've never seen a banana tree bring up mangoes. Never happened. A mango tree will bring up mangoes. Because it's in its life. There's the life of mango in it. When the life of Jesus Christ comes in you, you can only become a Christian. And you will bear the fruit of the Spirit. Which is joy. Joy in the midst of trial. Amen. I don't care what comes or what goes. I'm always happy. Amen. Amen. You, will be, you, you will have love regardless of what happens. Even if the church criticized you. Even if everybody rejected you, you will manifest love because it's become part of you. You just cannot hate. Amen. You'll have peace. Jesus says, my peace I give it unto you. My peace. That surpass all understanding. I give it to you. Today many Christians are restless. Unhappy. Because things don't work. Life is too difficult. When was life easy? Never. Life never was easy. Even Adam in the perfect land. He worked. Life was always tough. He had to wake up and name all the animals. It was not easy. Amen. A baby in the tummy. It's not easy for the baby. Even when they are born. Becomes even harder. They have to cry for everything. Everybody are struggling somewhere. But if you are waiting for an easy life. You are not a Christian. A Christian the prophet says. Is a rugged person. Someone that always ready for any.
any difficult situation. When it comes, I will stand and face it. Today, the prophet says, many people are running away from responsibility. Men are running away from jobs because it's too hard. They don't want to work. Lazy. Amen. Running away from responsibility. But a real Christian will face the responsibility. No matter how great and how hard it is. Because Jesus is with me, I will always overcome. Amen. The prophet says, the token for the believer today is the Holy Ghost. Not a blood of chemistry, but it is the Holy Spirit of God. That is the token that God requires for the church today. God might see this token. He must see it in every one of us life. The token is not to show it to me. You don't prove me you're a Christian. Prove God first that you are a Christian. Because he needs to trust you. Brother Branham says, when I go preach and pray for the sick, I need to trust in the God that lives in me. First. Because God w- will let you in situation and see how you will react. God will let you go through difficult situation and see how you will react. Like somebody says, you know a real man in front of a situation. When he's under pressure, will know who you really are. Many people in front of pressure, they will lie. In front of pressure, they will insult. In front of a pressure, they will say all kinds of things. Then they will say, I'm sorry, I was just under pressure. No. A Christian will control their mouth. A Christian will control their emotions. You don't just let loose anything comes out of your mouth. You control because you got power. The Holy Ghost is inside of you to control what comes out. Amen. Somebody might be offended. You might offend a real Christian by what comes out of your mouth. And you know what the Bible says? When you offend one of these little ones, it's good for you to be hanged and thrown into the depth of the sea and put a big stone on top of you. That's harsh. That's harsh. Be careful what comes out of your mouth. You might say one thing to a real born again believer and it will cost you a lot. Amen. It will cost you a lot. Moses under pressure. One day, Israel pressurized him. Moses, the prophet of God. God told him to hit this, the, the rock once. But Moses under pressure. You rebel. Oh, you calling God's people rebel? Hey, Moses. You know it cost him his life. God told him, Moses, I love you so much. You are my prophet. I appeal to you. I did great miracle through you. But because of this, you will not enter. Think about that. Because of this. You open your mouth and call my people rebels. Wow, Moses, you really touched me. Moses never, never went to the new land because of that. Watch your attitude. Watch the way you act. Watch what comes out of your mouth. 
You might say, well, I will ask for forgiveness. Yes, God will forgive you, but you will pay a price for what came out of your mouth. The prophet says, he says, you in the message, God's provided way of healing. He says, you might belong to some church. You might have a fine membership. You might be a moral character. And all of that are good. But brother, that still isn't Christianity. Christianity is when the Holy Ghost has taken full possession and of you and you are led of the Spirit. No matter how good, how moral, how good church member you are, Cain was a good church member also. Esau was a good cultural young uh, gentleman. So was Cain. Every religious believe, uh, believed in God, made sacrifice, built churches. No man can say Jesus is the Christ only by the Holy Ghost. The prophet is trying to show us to be a church member is good. To call this my home church is good. That's a good thing to do. But that does not mean you are a Christian. Amen. I went to a synagogue. If you came there and found me there, you probably called me a Jew. But I was not. Because I knew myself. You know yourself. You know if you are right with God or not. I don't know. I can't read your mind. I don't know your heart. But you know yourself. If you are coming here to show how good you look, you know to inside of yourself. But your life will prove what is inside of you. The prophet says, <clears throat> he says, what is Christianity? He says, Christianity is the most cleanest in the message of Elijah and Elisha. He says, Christianity is the cleanest Holiest things there is outside of heaven. Christianity. The cleanest. If there's people that are clean. Is Christian. How they dress. How they present themselves. How they handle situation. How they live in the neighborhood. It's clean. When you point finger to them, it's only to say good thing about them. Amen. It's the most cleanest thing, holiest thing outside of heaven. You won't be Christian in heaven. You are Christian here. The prophet says, but it's the representative that is breaking it. Us that represent Christianity are the one breaking it. Christian used to be trusted before. If an unbeliever is dealing with Christian, they say, oh, I'm at peace. My money is in the hand of a Christian. I can sleep. They never steal. But nowadays, people are running from Christianity. Because Christians are stealing. Christians are liars. But they're just carrying the name. Amen. Christians have become dishonest. Christian children disobedient to parents. I'm 18. I'm old enough to do what I want. Not here. <laughs> Not in this message. Amen. The prophet says, in a message, sir, we will see Jesus. He says, I think Christianity is orderly to live in order. 
that Christianity. A wife respecting the husband. That's order in the house. When it's upside down, something is wrong in that house. And the prophet said, it's lack of love that produces that. And 70% of marital trouble is the man who caused it. 70%. Think about that. Men usually blame the woman. It's their her fault and her fault and her fault. Yes, why it's her fault? It's because you lost your place. If you are in order, she will also automatically be in order. Don't blame her when you are living in disorder. Amen. Young men, listen to that really well. Be a consecrated young man. Receive the Holy Ghost before you get married. Because you are getting into hell if you don't. It's a hell on earth. That beautiful young sister that you are adoring now, you will be shocked what she will say without the Holy Ghost. Hell on earth. Young sister, that brother that have big shoulders, look like a who knows who. They will make your life difficult. You start wondering, he used to sing in a choir. He used to play the music in the church. That did not make them Christian. They were unbelievers in the church. Just bearing the name of Christianity. Amen. Christianity is to live in order. Father, mother, children. No upside down. You wake up in the morning, I want to do what I want. Don't do what you want here. You do what Papa wants. When Papa and Mama are in communion, you do what they want. Amen. (laughs) If you want blessing as a son or a daughter in the house of your parent, respect them. The Bible says you live long. (coughs) You live long. In our culture, we believe that your parents need to bless you. Need to lay hands on you. It's not just the pastor. It started home. My pastor is my dad. Mom is a sausage pastor. And as a kid, they, they can put you as a deacon or trust you, whatever they want in their house. Follow order. When Papa say A, it remain A to mom and the kids. Papa say A, Mama say V. It won't work. Never worked. The children will be confused who to follow. Christianity is order. Order in the church. The pastor is the highest order in the church. What he says remain A and Amen. If I was the pastor, you can never be a pastor. If I were him, I would do this. You can't do it. You don't have a heart of a pastor. You know, someone was telling me, why not start a church? I said, start a church? Are you crazy? Is that being a preacher means starting a church? You can be a preacher, but you don't have the heart to carry the weight of the people. I can't. I always call Brother Madiba, Pastor Madiba. 
I respect the office. I'm a friend of it. I don't want to try being one. I have one church member that is enough for me. And that's my wife. (laughs) That's all I can carry. That's all I can carry. I can't carry 100 people. I'll fall. It's not my, it's not my calling. Amen. <laughs> Are you all right? The prophet says, in the message we see Jesus, he said, I believe God's honors, honor is more than we keep, when we keep it orderly under the power of the Holy Ghost to be the leader of the church and of his people. In the message, the maniac of Gadara, he says, Christianity is not a debate. It's something that you live. Many believers today, they are debating. You are not a Christian, so you too. Are we debating it? (laughs) You know, when a situation comes among the believers and, you know, you're dealing with them and shouting at each other. I hope you won't make it. Wow. You hope I won't make heaven. Wow. That's a big statement. I thought you were a Christian. You are not a Christian. So you too. Wow. Are we debating? It's a life. If I'm a Christian, I don't need to tell you that I'm a Christian. My life will prove. The way I handle situation will prove that I'm a Christian. You don't need to come and tell, I tell you people, brother, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. You know what that means? You are trying to fake it. Many believers are faking it today. They come to church while inside they are demon like Judas. They're just wearing the coat of a lamb. God bless you, brother. They're trying to make, they try to show that they are sweet. Why they are not? Look at them in front of a pressure. And then you really see who, what is inside of them. The prophet says in the message of the prophet Elijah. He says Christianity. Um, he said Christianity is low. Because we fail to do what Jesus said. Go into the whole and demonstrate the power of the Holy Ghost to all the people. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. They will speak with new tongue. If they take a serpent or a drink, deadly thing, it wouldn't harm them. If they lay, if they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's what the great and the last commission, the last word that fell out of the Savior's lips. Christianity is low. Why? Because when you are in front of sickness, we call the pastor. Pastor, please pray for my wife. Pastor, please pray for my child. Pastor, please pray for this. Who are you? Jesus gave us a commission. He did not say that commission was only for the pastor. He says it for the church. You shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. You know the problem is sometimes we think that we are healing them. It's not you healing. It's not me healing. I'm just doing what I was told. It's up to God to heal. It depends on the person's faith. Sometimes I see believer comes. He say, well, brother, just the pastor is not around. 
uh, because he's not there, just pray for me. I'm like, okay, so I'm a replacement or what? <laughs> are you coming? Are you looking to God? Or your faith is in the pastor? If your faith is in the pastor, please go there. Don't come here and replace me because it's not there. Now you just pray. You don't believe. You're coming with fear. But if you come, you say, brother, the Bible says, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Brother, I believe that word. I'm sick. Just lay hands on me and the word of God will be fulfilled. When you come by faith, it does not matter who lay hands on you. You will be healed because you are a Christian. The prophet says in a message to Elijah, he says, you say, well, I guess I'm a pretty good Christian, brother Branham. You can't be a pretty good Christian. There is no such a thing. You have to be either a Christian or you are not. You see what he says? I'm a pretty good Christian. There is no pretty good Christian. Or you can say, I'm a bad Christian. No. Or Christian or not. He says, you are either a Christian or you are not. The wheat can be a barley today and a wheat tomorrow. It's a wheat today, a wheat for always. And a man that becomes a Christian... Is not a Christian today and a sinner tomorrow. And a Christian today and a sinner tomorrow. He is the same like Christ. Yesterday, today and forever. Because he has become the son of God. Many people are afraid to say. I am the same yesterday, today and forever. I'm not afraid to say that. Because the prophet said I am so. If I am God. I always be. Right? Are you God? Come on. Are you God? <laughs> if you are God, you've always existed. You were in God's mind before the foundation of the world. You just came through time and going back into eternity. You always existed. And because you always existed, you become God. Amen. The prophet says, you can be a Christian today and a sinner tomorrow. If you be a Christian today and sinner tomorrow, you've never been a Christian before. Many people are Christian on Sunday morning. They come to church, they praise, they feel Christian. On Monday morning, things go sideways. They feel like a sinner. They feel like, oh, I'm dirty. Everything goes wrong in my life. You still God. You believe that? Because you are God's son. God can only give birth to gods. Amen. A dog gives birth to dogs. And if you are God, you will always be gods. And you will manifest the attribute of God in your life. Because you are the same as he is yesterday, today, and forever. Difficult life does not mean you are a sinner. Lying does not mean you are a sinner. Listen to that very carefully. Many believers, I've been there myself and it happens many times. When you lied or you say something wrong, the devil comes and tells you, are you a Christian? Look at what you just did. You just lied. 
and you kneel down, you want to pray, say, you want to pray? Do you think God will listen? You just lied. Don't even repent because God does not listen to you. And you stay there. What am I going to do then? Then after a while, you want to pray again. He comes. Don't even pray. God won't listen to you. But I changed the way of doing it. When I do something wrong, God, like David did, I'm wrong. I've lied. If I need to go fix it, I'll go fix it. Then I come back before God. Lord, I've done what you asked me to do. I was wrong. I fixed it. Now I come for you to forgive me. And I accept the forgiveness. In the name of Jesus Christ. You died for my sins of the past. Of the present. And of the future. When Jesus says it's finished. It was not for the sin of the past only. Even the sins that you never done. Or you will do in the future. It's already under the blood. Then when you come. You say, devil, come again. I will make more mistakes. I just want to warn you already. I will make more mistakes and God will always forgive. You know when you believe that the devil doesn't bother you anymore? Because you warned him already. Tomorrow, I'll make more. So don't bother me. (laughs) When I make tomorrow more mistakes, God is always there to forgive me. Because God looks at my heart. I didn't mean to do it. It was not me pushing myself into it. But the circumstance of life allowed me to come there. And God forgive me for that. And I'm pressing on. When you're walking down the street. And you fall on the street. You fall down. You don't remain there crying. Please. Every passerby come and help me. You just stand up and wipe yourself. I hope nobody saw me. (laughs) You know why you do that? Because you are mature. You fall and you stand up. That's a believer's life. When I do something wrong, I stand up. Thank you, Lord. I made a mistake. I'm sorry for what I've done. Forgive me. And I'm moving on. Give me more power to move forward. And I'm moving on. The prophet says this. The end of, uh, the end of time. He says, I believe every Christian is obligated to be a missionary. I believe every Christian is obligated. Now, not so much as you have to go over in the old country and preach or something. But if you can go... You can help send somebody. You understand? Missionary, it's not you going. But you understand that I can go there, but I can help one go. Because we are one trying to win somebody for Christ. You are a missionary. At school, you are a missionary. You need to manifest the power of God at school. People need to look at it and say, you are amazing. You are a magical person. You are unbelievable the way you live. Become an example to the young people at school. Because God has sent you there as a missionary. On the day of the rapture, God will ask you your diploma. 
How many diploma you got? I'm a DLDD, I'm this and that, this, whatever. God does not care about your diploma. He cares about his word. How are you showing the people the word of God? He sends you to school. He sends you to work to be a missionary. That's your first commission. It's not to get diplomas and make money. The prophet says in a, in a message, uncertain, uh, the uncertain sound. He says, the principle of Christianity is the condition of the heart. We are talking about Christianity. The condition of my heart. How do I love God? Do I struggle reading the Bible? Do I struggle going to church? It's the condition of my heart. Sunday morning, there is a joy in my heart to be here. Wednesday evening is a joy to be in the house of God. I don't sit there and say, I will listen on YouTube. You know, tape ministry or whatever you call those things. I will fall on YouTube. And there is so many YouTube preachers today. So many things in YouTube and telling people all kinds of things. But a real believer has a church home where they go to to serve God and fellowship with the believer there. The prophet says, the Bible says, Christian, uh, sorry, the Bible says, Proverbs 15, verse 10. Proverbs 15, verse 10. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way. And he that hateth reproof shall die. A real Christian must accept correction. We're living in a day where Christians today don't want to be corrected. I'm old enough to do what I want. Then go live in the street. When you are in the kingdom of God, you must, be, you must accept correction. Because many times you can go sideways and God has somebody to bring you back on the road. The prophet says in the message, unpardonable sin. If you are not saved, for you are not saved by any good works. You are not saved by shouting. You are not saved by dancing in the spirit. You are not saved by speaking in tongues. You are not saved by keeping the Sabbath. You are not saved by meat eating. You are not saved by joining a church. You are not saved by water baptism. This is a lot of list that we always think that Christianity. He said, you are saved by faith. Through grace you are saved. And if you are truly saved, these other things automatically comes. Automatically comes. You will shout. You can speak in tongue if you want to. If God allowed it. You do good work. You can dance in the spirit. Because you are saved. Amen. Some people, sometimes they come to church, they feel so shy just to get loosed. Brother, you know what? It's not my nature. What? Wait when we get into heaven. We'll see your real nature then. Some people will dance for a hundred years. Just keep moving on in the Lord. Just get loosed. Let the Holy Ghost use you. Just say, God, I just surrender. Just use me, move me. You know, I'm, I don't want to move too much, brother. I don't want to, you know, do anything wrong. When you come in the Lord, you forget yourself. 
Let him use you as he pleased. Amen. The prophet says, <coughs> he says, um, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. When the pastor sees something wrong, he say, look, sister, look, brother, that's wrong. You submit. You believe that? Correction. Submit. He says, you are submissive. You are submissive. The spirit of the prophet subject to the prophet. You are submissive. You say, God, forgive me. I didn't mean to get out of order. Then you are going to see the church moving for the glory of God. Everything in order, the church sets in order. The pastor inspired by God. He sees something wrong in the church. Because he stands on the high platform. That he can see demons coming in the church. The prophet says, we, the many pastors, allow demon spirit in their church by the way women dress. Sister will dress any other way. They think it's okay. Who cares? You know, like one sister, they told her, you know, dressing right, you know, it's not good for the brother to look at you like that. Why do they look at me then? They should look, look somewhere else. <laughs> Someone like that is not born again. You don't come to church to show your body form. You cover yourself according to the word of God. Because you represent the church. The prophet said you want to see the spiritual level of any church. Look at the women. And the pastor will see something wrong in the church. Under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He comes, he said, I don't want to see this in the church. And as a Christian in the church, he says, I submit. If you start fighting with the pastor, something is wrong with you. Unless he's out of the word. But if what he says is confirmed to the word of God, you must submit. Amen. The prophet says, in the same message, the unpardonable sin. He says, but if you are, if you would get, if you get their head stuck up and say, I don't believe it. I just tell you, I don't believe it. That shows right then, there is something wrong with you. There is something wrong. You can't stand correction. He says, if you can't stand correction, you can't stand in order. You can't stand in the things of God. Then you pull off. That's how people leave the church. I don't like what the pastor does. I don't like the way they can do things. This brother is not living right. Why did they live in a church? They should kick him out of the church. Is that your problem? It's not your problem to kick people in the church. It's the pastor who under the inspiration... We'll see that this is enough. This is the way we'll handle this. If we have to kick everybody out of the church, even after you lie, you need to go out. This church will be empty. But we are here for salvation. We are working together. Even when someone is really doing really bad, we don't want them to go to hell. We want them just to be there. Maybe they want to be in the right atmosphere. We want to encourage them. 
We want to pray for them. We want to be there for them so that God can do something until we are okay. Enough is enough. It's been 20 years. This brother is not changing. Brother, please, the door is open. But until then, we need to have hope. I've seen sometime in a church, you know, young people will just misbehave. They don't have the Holy Ghost. So can you imagine you kicking out someone without the Holy Ghost? You're not doing any, any, any good. Let them stay there. Pray for them. Many young people leave the church because of a lack of encouragement. The older one don't encourage them. We are with you. We are praying for you. Even when you are in the wrong, even after you smoke and drunk and whatever, I pray for you. Know that we are there for you, brother. We are there for you, sister. We will go to heaven with you. You know, the more you tell them that, the more they will love you. When they do something wrong, you'll be the first one to call. Brother, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Come on in. Let's pray together. I remember one time, this young brother, um, he was really living badly. Grew up in a church, but he started smoking, running around and everything. And one day, we were, I was just passing by, and then I met him. And then as soon as I met him, he asked me, he says, can you pray for me? I'm tired of living in the world. I'm just tired. He was 16. I'm like, you're tired? So what have you done? He says, I've done about everything you can imagine. Everything. I'm tired. I need God, but I don't know how to get a hold of him. Everybody I meet, they just tell me, you, 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 you. So I don't know what to do. So we were in the street. And he asked me, can we just kneel down and pray? I'm like, wow, in the street. <laughs> so we went under a tree. And we knelt down. We, we started praying. And he was just crying. God, deliver me. Deliver me. Deliver me. And we prayed, after we prayed, we finished, and he left, and I also left. A week later, he calls me again, he says, I'm still in a mess. I'm like, let's pray again. So we prayed again the second time. We met the third time, he says, it's getting worse. I'm wondering if God is really listening. I said, God is listening, but it's you the problem. It's not God the problem. You know what to do. Why are you hanging around your wrong, your wrong friends? When they give you uh, the drugs, why are you taking it? Why are you watching the wrong things? Why are you following that old girlfriend of yours? You should tell her, hey, forget it. I don't need you. Be man enough to tell her about it. Well, I'm afraid that, you know, don't be afraid of anything. Tell her face to face, I don't need you in my life. And the day he went and called that girl and told her, I don't need you in my life. You make my life miserable. I don't want you. And that's the day he was delivered. You know? That's the day he got delivered. Sometimes you can be caught on something. It's because you don't speak out. And that demon will keep coming because you can't say anything. But stand before that young man and tell him, I don't need you. Go away, you demon-possessed young man. 
Tell him face to face. Tell that girl that will follow you at school. I don't need you. You know, uh, uh, you know, sometimes even as a married man, the devil will come around and say, don't you see that girl there? She's more beautiful than your wife. I said, Satan, you know, you remember when I started following my wife, you told me she was the most beautiful person in the world. You told me that. Now I married the most beautiful person in the world. Now you come and show me another one. Finally, how many beautiful are they? What does she got that my wife does not have? You need to speak to the devil. Don't just sit there and say, devil, please. Think that way. No. A Christian knows that you are a soldier. We are in the battle. The more quiet you are, the more strong he becomes. But when you start speaking back, he comes and says, no, I don't want that. Look at this. I don't want to see that. Go there. I don't want to go there. The devil will leave you alone. Christianity. Am I a Christian? The prophet says, how are we doing with time? All right. <laughs> We're doing very well. I will not abuse. <laughs> Christian. A Christian young man. A Christian young man will respect his parent. A Christian young man will have a pastor. Today we got many people who don't have pastors. They just wandering stars from church to church. A real Christian young man will have a spiritual leader. A Christian young man will accept instruction. How should I get married? How? There is a teaching on how a Christian gets married. Oh, I fall in love. You don't fall in love. You don't want to fall in love. You don't want to fall in love, my friend. You better stand up in love. Once you've fallen, no hope. <laughs> a Christian stands up because when you will stand up, then you can see clearly. Because the prophet gave us something to do. Look at her family background. How are you going to look at someone's family background when you're in a fallen state? You can't see much. That's why many young men will get married after they marry and start crying. I wish I didn't marry her. Well, you were fallen. That's why you need to be, to have a spiritual leader that will instruct you and guide you. A Christian young man will have a home church where he support that church with his presence, tithing and offering and prayer. A Christian young man will develop a personal prayer life. You cannot be a strong believer without a prayer life. You cannot. 
A Christian young man will study the word of God. A Christian young man will work so that he can provide later on for his wife and family. A Christian young man will learn how to save money. All right. You get a credit card, you're swiping it up. You think it's yours. It's not yours. A Christian will learn how to save. Because it's God is the one that gives wisdom. And God in our church, he gave us some with financial ability and skills. Brother, I have a problem with money. Can you help me? Learn how to save. Learn how to buy important things. Young brother, you go get married, you're already in debt of $100,000. How are you going to provide? Because when she comes, you're just going to be paying debts. Wisdom. (laughs) You go to a family to get married, they ask you, how much money do you make? Brother, he's not spiritual. The father's asking me, how much money do I make? Instead of asking me, what kind of Holy Ghost do you get? The father has the right. Because he wants to know, he wants to make sure that my daughter will be taken care of. No father wants to send her daughter to hell. In someone's house. As a young man, you need wisdom. You need the grace of God. To learn how to manage your finances. A Christian young man will not spend money on expensive clothes and accessories to impress young sisters. A car that you just got on, uh, on credit, it does not belong to you. And you want to prove young ladies, you, and you park it right here. And Holy Ghost fill young sisters will not be attracted to that. Amen. A real Christian young sister will not look at all this nonsense. They will look at their heart. Do this guy have the Holy Ghost? Car comes and go. House comes and go. But the Holy Ghost comes to stay. And a young man that got the Holy Ghost will love me, will respect me, will honor me, and will provide. And the family in law will be praised be to God. We got Christian in our family. I remember when I called, the first time I called my father in law, he told me, You know, we allow you to talk to our daughter. But one thing I want to tell you, we don't want trouble. We don't want trouble. Your family and our families never had a problem. And we don't want both of you comes and put the two families in trouble. He said, promise me. I said, I promise you with all my heart. (laughs) And we we made a covenant with my wife. If we fight in the house, nobody will call the parent. Yeah. 
It stays here. <laughs> don't call your parent. I will never call my parent. Because we don't want them to be in trouble. Amen. That's wisdom. A real Christian young man will respect the young sisters. You won't come and greet a young sister, hold a hand for 10 minutes. Sister. God bless you, sister. I really appreciate you. You have respect. Amen. You respect them because they are the daughters of God. A real Christian young man will not start underground relationship without the parent consent. WhatsApp relationship. It's actually prostitution if you don't know. The parent don't know anything about it. Under the blanket there. I love you. You love me too. Sharing pictures. And you come to church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in the church, you act like there is nothing. She goes that way. You go that way. But when you get home. Under the blankets. Relationship. You are living in sin. And you are not a Christian. Amen. Amen. A young man should give respect to a young sister. Some brother, some young brother said, well, it's her that started calling me. If she started and you are a Christian, you should tell her the truth. Sister, are you a Christian? Yes. Christian, don't do this. I don't have the money. I don't have a house. I don't have a job to marry you. According to the word of God, I need to fulfill all these things. Because I don't have it, don't stop this because it's going to lead us away from God. Wisdom that comes from the word of God. Amen. The prophet says in the message, communion. He says, if I was a young man and hunting for a wife, and I could, I could find a wife, I said, she's just perfect. She's a Christian. She's a lady. She's all this. I got confidence. No matter how much confidence, how much I think she's nice, I've got to receive her. She's, she's got to receive me upon these vows. Many young men, this is sad to say, they're giving each other vows under the blankets. I love you. I will marry you. I will stand there for you. Before God, you are married. Think about that. The vows, it's not what you say here. No. The vows, it's expressing your heart and giving a promise. I will be there for you. I will provide. You'll be the mother of my children. Really under the blanket, my friends. It, it makes no sense. 
It makes no sense. It's sin. In the Old Testament, the Bible says, if a father hears that, that you made vow to a man, he has the right to break the vows. Like Brother Banam did for Billy Paul. To break the vows and God will forgive. Why would God forgive? Because it was sin. To give a vow to a man without the parent consent. It's sin. And you come here, I'm a Christian. You are not a Christian. You are an unbeliever. The unbeliever are the one that live that way. Amen. A real Christian young woman will respect her parents. When you come to a choice of who to marry, mama and papa says, that brother, we don't really trust him. No. I'm the one who got to make a choice. It's me that got to love him. It's not you. Oh, really? Respect your parent. Papa and mama love you more than that guy. They are liars when they tell you they love you on the phone. A real man, I always say, a real man will come at the door and affront my father (laughs) and tell him how you love me real there. Amen. A real Christian young sister will go to church when the doors are open. She will also pay her tithes and offering. She will pray for the church and for her pastor. She will follow her pastor's instruction. She will follow her father and mother's instruction. She will work. She will, she will be an example for the younger ones. She will develop also a spiritual, I mean, a prayer life for herself. You don't just pray at church. You pray for yourself. Because you believe I will be a mother. I need to pray for my children. A real Christian young sister will not make herself, uh, like they say today, uh, 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 like a uh, publicity. I'm beautiful. I'm the most beautiful in the church. Everybody knows about it. No. No, that's sin. Amen. That's sin. We don't need that. You are beautiful. In the eyes of the beholder. You might not look beautiful to me. But to someone else you are an angel. Don't come here and advertise yourself. In the way you dress. Everybody got to look. Who's that? That's not a Christian. A real Christian young woman. Will not dress on tight little dress. That shows the form of her body. Even a Christian young man won't wear these tight pants that we see today. That shows the form of their body. And you know where that comes from? You know where that comes from? Especially on the men's side. It's homosexuality. Amen. A Christian will cover themselves correctly. Not these tiny little pants that I don't know where they come from. Amen. A Christian young sister will, her, will help her mother at home. She won't sleep until 10 and spend two hours in the shower cleaning the hair and, and whatever more. 
She will help at home. Because she has a vision. One day I will be a wife. I will have to know how to cook. How to take care of my husband. By the way I learn from my mom. Amen. A real Christian young sister. Will learn how to cook. Not a McDonald's eater. Every day taking the husband to a McDonald's. Learn how to cook. The Bible says, all the women teach the younger one how to love. There is a how to love. Amen. Love is not just something that pops up out of nowhere. It's not a feeling. It's a way out to love. Learn how to clean your house from mom. Learn how to cook. How to make your bed. Oh, God have mercy. In this technology age, you know, sisters spend more time on the computer chatting. On the bedroom, on WhatsApp, on Facebook. They got, I don't know how many applications on the phone. Chatting to this one, chatting to that one. They know everything that happened around the world. But when are you going to get married? Will your husband come at home and say, Oh, how beautiful you are. That feels my tummy. No. No. The one that used to call you angel. He comes from work tired. Table empty. Where have you been? You didn't cook. I was on a computer. Doing what? Who are you talking to? It becomes another problem. Because you didn't learn. When the Holy Ghost comes, it will teach you things. The Holy Ghost is a teacher. That's why when you have godly parent, I'm telling you, thank God. Thank God. Our parents... Probably they did not learn these things when they were young. That's why some of them, many of them made a lot of mistakes. But when they came to the knowledge of the word, they became Christian. They don't want us to go through the same thing. That's why the prophet in marriage and divorce, he says, teach your children not to do the same mistakes. The prophet says in the message, so as the father. If we, were, if we Pentecostal people could respect one another like that, knowing that we will never talk about one another, we would be brothers, we would be sisters. There will never be no disgrace among us. If we were Christian, we would know how to take care of one another. A Christian husband, well, <laughs> that's tough. We love his wife will provide for his wife. A real Christian husband will know how to treat his wife with honor and respect. A real Christian wife will be one that will give honor to her husband. You know, I came to find out that to respect someone It's not just because they got a higher education. 
You respect them because the word said so. You don't respect your father because you just want to look good. You respect them because God said so. Even if your father is a drunkard, even if he's nobody, he needs to be respected. Amen. They need to be respected. Sometimes, you know, you think because I have a higher education, I got lots of money, I'm the one that talk in my family, everybody got to listen to me. Be careful. Your father is your father. And he needs to be respected. Your mother is your mother and they need to be respected regardless of who they are and what they do. Look at uh, uh, Noah. It was not the son's problem. Noah, as a father, when I got drunk, so happy about what God done, he went and got drunk and left himself naked. It was his fault. But why did God curse the child? Disrespect. He came instead of covering the father, protecting the father, he laughed at him. And God says, enough is enough. You'll be cursed. Respect is very important in Christian life. Don't act like anybody want to act, but act as a Christian in every circumstance. Maybe in a family, there is a decision to make husband and wife. You make a decision, and the husband said, well, we should go this way. The wife said, no, I don't want that way. You should go that way. You fight for a while. But I believe after a while, the wife should realize... He's the head. He's the head. The prophet says, he will answer for me, not me for him. Sometimes you might think, you know, I'm too smart than my husband because he didn't don't go to a lot of schooling. You know, he's here, I'm here, and that means I can help him make decisions. Yes, you can help, but he has to be the final dec- decider. Because in heaven, God is looking at him. Not you. Amen. Amen. Let me move on to that. I don't want to spend too much time on that. The prophet says, the prophet said in the message of choosing of the bride. He said the same same applies by choosing a church. You must pray over the church that you you are fellowshipping in. Remember, the church carries spirits. You go to a church and if you will watch the behavior of the church, you just watch the pastor a while, you will, re, uh, you will usually find the church acts like the pastor. Sometimes I wonder if we just don't get one another's spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. The prophet showing us that when you choose a church, a Christian must have a church. A Christian cannot hang around different churches. You have a home church where I support that church with my tithes and offering and prayer and presence. When the church opens on Wednesday, you are there. That's a Christian. Brother Banam says, in the message, the way of a true prophet. He says, if you have, if you have had to miss work, to hear, to be with us and pray with us and so forth. You have to miss work. That's all right. You understand that? 
If you have to miss work to come and be with us, miss it. That's all right. He says, just go, go ahead and miss church. Don't be the lazy side now. They'll say, well, I'm just going to miss work all the time to be in the church. That's also wrong. We need to balance that. You need to go to church, but you have to make sure that I've never, uh, you need to go to work, but work is not number one in your life. Number one is the house of God. So once in a while, the prophet says, there's some time work stay aside, I need to go for my soul. Because the strength that I got for work comes from here. How can I leave the strength and go to work? No wonder many times as believers, you go to church, you pick up the spirit there, you start lying and cheating and running after other women. But if you come to church to get the strength, to recharge your battery, when you are at work, you are at your best. The devil knows that this man is charged up. Any trials that comes in, you can handle it. The prophet says, but don't, don't you miss church. Don't you miss church. I won't make you late enough to miss church. But if you don't have to, but if you do have to miss church once in the while, that won't hurt. Amen. Once in a while. That means you got to go to work. He says, now, because work, that's just for your daily bread. And you, the Lord promised to provide that. But this, you must really be sure to come to church. A Christian must come to church. The prophet says, in the message, the voice of the sign. We believe that every Christian ought to have a home church that they go to. Every Christian ought to meet somewhere with believers. And wherever you meet that church. Today we got many believers believe that the times of churches are over. Time of church are over. Time of the faithful ministry are over. They're hanging all, all, all over the place. They are wrong. They are not Christian. If they read these quotes, they will know I need to have a church to go somewhere. I can't stay home and look at TVs and, 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 and whatever. A Christian minister. Responsibility. There is minister who are not Christians. But a Christian minister. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 16. A man's gift maketh room for him. And bringeth him before great men. It's the gift of God. It's not you the person. But it's the gift of God in you. A Christian minister. He will preach the pure word of God. Without compromise. Many ministers today are compromising with the word of God. And you know to compromise means. To devalue something to please someone else. This is the value. But because I want to please this person in the church. I devalue it. But a Christian minister. Will preach the pure word of God. 
without compromising. He will do the best to live what he preaches. A Christian minister will follow good example from all the ministers. But he will not impersonate. You understand? Don't impersonate anybody. Because God gave you a gift. He will give your style. Not every minister preaches the same way. Some scream. Some are fast. Some are slow. It's all the gift of God. And as believers, we should not compare ministers. This one is better than that one. You know what that does? It brings, it brings a, a wrong influence on the minister. They become complexed. That's why they start following this one, following that one. But the prophet says, be what you are. A real Christian minister will push, will not push or force his gifts to the people. Look at me. I'm the best. Without me, nothing works. You are not a minister. A real minister will let God manifest the gifts. If it's from God, the people of God will notice it. (laughs) Amen. The people of God will notice this is from God. You don't need to force to the people. No. Once you force it, that means there is nothing. Amen. A real Christian minister will stay humble before the people. You don't come to show the people that I know too much. I remember when I started, this old man comes to me. He was about 70 years old. He comes and he he, t- he tells me, we, want, we, we, we allow you to practice on us. That was so good. <laughs> we allow you to practice on us. But don't you think, because you stand there, you know better than us. He says, I've been here for 40 years. Once you read the scripture, I know what you're going to talk about anyway. <laughs> Don't imagine you know, you know more than us. But we just respect the gifts. So respect us as well. <laughs> that was good. A real Christian minister will humble himself. He will not follow vain glories. You are the best. You are this. And you lift up yourself with the people. I'm the best brother. Don't you think that brother said I'm the best? The same people who lift you up. When the hands get tired, they bring you down. They call you a God, they call you a demon. Amen. Let God lift you up. That's what Solomon was saying. Solomon says, A man gift maketh room for itself. And it brings him before great men. It's not you. It's the gifts that brings you before great men. The sons and daughters of God who are Christian 
will know this is from God. You can't lie to the sons and daughters of God. A real Christian minister will respect the sons and daughters of God to whom he preaches to. You won't call them nonsense. You will give them respect. Because they are respecting you by sitting down and listening to you. A real Christian minister will spend time in prayer and meditation to be at his best. The prophet says, I will pray. I will seek God until I get something that will help the people. We come here to help, not to destroy. A real Christian minister will have, no gr- will have one greatest desire. To see the souls of the sons of God saved. And filled with the Holy Ghost. You are not there just to eat the tithing. Just like minister today. Sow your seed. Sow your seed. Sow your seed. And that seed means give more money. Give more money. Give more money. They bankrupting the sons and daughters of God. To become rich. And they think that is helping the sons of God. They are thieves. They, they, they have no hearts. They are destroying families. Maybe a family was saving something for some, uh, uh, for some purpose. Give that here and then God will give you here. It's true, but it's wrongly presented. Paul was telling Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. <coughs> he says, I charge thee bef- uh, therefore before God. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with long suffering and doctrine. This is where I wanted to stop there. He says, exhort with long suffering. Long suffering means preach with patience. Don't preach today to see the result today. Preach with long suffering. So you're suffering for a long time. You preach for 10 years, the brother's still the same. Keep having long suffering. And doctrine. He says, uh, long suffering also means to have tolerance. To be understandable. You talk to a couple, don't do this, don't go that way. They go, they repeat the same thing. Have a long suffering. Especially on the young people. Have a long suffering. Be patient with them. He says again in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse, uh, chapter 4 verse 12. Paul is telling Timothy, you see here, Timothy was an elder minister. Teaching a young minister. So to be a minister does not mean you know everything. No. You need someone to teach you. How to handle certain things. You can't stand on the pulpit and say everything. You are preaching to parent. You are preaching to grandma and grandpas. You got to be careful to what you say. They're older than you. <laughs> They're not here to joke with you. 
You got to respect them. Amen. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. Don't play around when you're standing on a pulpit. Think that you are the boss. I can say anything. I don't care. Because I'm under the inspiration. That's not inspiration. The inspiration of God gives wisdom. Amen. He's telling Timothy. First uh, Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. He says, let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of the believer in word. In conversation. In charity. In spirit. In faith. In purity. He's telling Timothy what, how to live. Be an example to the believers. In words, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. He says, till I come give attendance to reading and exhortation and to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee. Which was given thee by the prophecy. With the laying of the hand of the presbytery. He says, the gift that is in... Sorry. And meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. If you want to be a good minister, be an example yourself. In words, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Amen. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 1. Paul says to Timothy, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. This is so good. Timothy, rebuke not an elder. Brother Banam told us an elder means years you spend in the gospel. You understand? There's people who've been in the message for 30 years. I've been for 10. And I should be careful how I'm approaching them. He says, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. To entreat means solicitate. Implore and plead. <laughs> when an elder does something wrong because they are humans, when you approach them, brother Timothy, Implore. Solicitate. Go with respect. Because he's an elder. He says the young woman as a brother. When you're a young man, you go as a brother. I mean younger man as a brother. The older woman as a mother. Sister. This is wrong according to the word of God. As a minister of God, you must listen to this. No. As a mother, Mama, something happened. I heard this and that. I'm coming to you just to tell you this is wrong according to the word of God. With a lot of respect that I have for you. You are the example of our church. I'm asking you just to follow the scripture. That mother will love you more. But when you go trying to prove them that I know more than you, hey, that old mother will get crazy. (laughs) They'll get crazy. 
He says, the youngest, the younger as sister with all purity. Honor the widows and the widows and the widow indeed. Against an elder, receive not an accusation. This is Brother Timothy learning from Brother Paul. Brother Paul was the age, he was older. He'd been through many battles. He says, Timothy, if you want to have success in the ministry, listen to this. When you approach an elder, be careful. When you approach a young sister, be careful. When you approach a young brother, be careful. Don't just talk nonsense because you're a minister. Respect them. He says, against an elder, receive no accusation. That old man in the church. Don't you see how he's acting? That's an accusation. Don't you say something about it when you stand on the pulpit? Just blast him out. He's, enough is enough. What does, he, what does he think he is? Because he's been a messy for 30 years. He can act whatever way he wants to. Say something about it when you are there. And the poor preacher stands up there and blasts an old man. I'm inspired. That's not inspiration. Amen. That's right. But before two or three witnesses, when an elder do something wrong in a church, you need to have the proof of two or three witnesses. If you don't do that, you are wrong. We can have an example here. In 1 Samuel chapter 3. The Bible says, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days, and there was no open vision. You can see here, Samuel knew that Eli was wrong. He knew that. That he, that pastor Eli was backslidden. He allowed his son to take the girls in the church and go with them. They would take money from the church and misuse it. They did all kind of nonsense. And Pastor Eli would not say a word. The church was suffering. But Brother Samuel was a Christian. He never rebuked Pastor Eli. You are wrong. God is anointed me. I'm the new prophet. I don't care how many years you've been in a message. You are wrong. But he was a Christian. He kept quiet. And the Bible says he ministered. Which means he assisted the backslidden preacher. He helped him. Amen. Samuel surrendered to the backslidden pastor for years. He says, it's up to God to deal with him, not me. But he was there doing his job. And God showed, showed the respect that he had in his heart. Today, sometime, I think, we've gotten too much revelation. We've got too much excitation. So excited that you forgot the principle of the word of God. We forgot the way we should walk. We forgot the way we should act. 
God called Abraham, he says, Abraham, walk before me and be perfect. He was not talking about perfection of the flesh. If you look it up, it means progress before me and be mature. Be mature. Because perfection means that a fruit has become to maturity. Be perfect. Be mature. Don't act like a little child. Know what you're doing. Let the wisdom of God enter your heart. It will teach you how to act. In front of a situation, you are meeting an elder who's done something wrong. You need wisdom to approach them. You need wisdom to approach a young sisters. You know, sometimes, you know, as a minister, you find, you know, a young sister will come. Brother, I want to talk to you in private. I need to be wise. Hey, in these days, you got to be proud. You got to be uh, wise. You get in the office, you close the door. Hey, brother, be careful. Yes. Three things the prophet said a minister should watch. Popularity, women, and money. You should observe them. Sister, let's talk right here. Everybody sees us. I don't think there is anything secret that we need to be in the room somewhere. That's why the prophet says if he was going to see a sister, he would bring his wife. You remember the story the prophet tells? This minister, uh, this woman, you know, spread the news that he went out with this minister. And the minister proved that he was not even in town that day. But the news were already there. How can you change that? So the wisdom of God has to be there to protect you. Because the wisdom of God will cause you to become prudent. You look from afar, you say, hey, there's a danger there. I shouldn't go that way. The wisdom, of, the, the wisdom of God will cause you to see from afar and weigh the situation. Say, hey, that's not good for me. I shouldn't be there. But today, sometimes ministers will think, well, I'm anointed. I can do anything. You know, I can go anywhere. I can talk anything. No way. A sister comes to you and you, you, you want to ask personal questions. Hey, brother. You are on a dangerous ground. Brother Branham says, just I just read here. He said in the message, being led of the Holy Ghost. He says, and one of the one, and then after he he told me and sent me into the work, I knew that he would be, I knew that there would be things that I would have to watch. One of them is money. The other one is popularity and women. There are three things that are men's, there are three things that men uh, uh, falls with. And ministers especially. We found out that Balaam fell because of money. Samson fell because of women. And Saul fell because of popularity. So I had to notice those things. Watch them. Be careful. Pray. Stay in the promise of God. Stay under the blood for your protection. Amen. A minister should watch his character. A real minister.
minister should watch the way he talks. A real minister should watch the way he conducts his affairs. Amen. You know, that I came to find out that the ministry, it's not really the person. The ministry is your character. Amen. Your character. Because that's what people are watching. The way you talk, the way you handle things. That's why they will say, he's a man of God. And this one, dodgy. A real minister must have the Holy Ghost experience. Brother Barnum says, I'm going to wind up. Uh, uh, The prophet says in a message, what went he out to see? He says, John preached the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He never preached something that he did not have. He preached what he had received. People today, minister will fake subject. They will give you a long kilometric subject. And when they talk about it, it's empty. They're trying to impersonate someone. They're trying to follow the way this one talks. They want to impress on the way this one preaches. It won't work because it's not you. You don't have it. The prophet said, John preached what he got. The way God inspires me, it's not the way he inspired Pastor Madiba. No. He has his style. He has his ways. And God also will use me according to the gift he gave me. The prophet says, and men of God that are sent into the field today has no right to preach the gospel without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That is the first qualification of a minister. Is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He said in the message, absolutely, Jesus would not let his disciples preach no matter how well they knew him. They must go to the city of Jerusalem there and wait until they were endued with the power from on high. They must have an experience first. Amen. Must have an experience first. Let me just uh, wind up with this. You know, somebody said, a brother told me, said, why do ministers lie on the pulpit? I said, oh God have mercy. Minister lying on the pulpit. He says, yes, minister lies on the pulpit. And they don't even ask for forgiveness. I'm done. I'm about done. I'll finish soon. <laughs> Last quote. <laughs> Say, you're lying. Just finish. <laughs> Just finish if you want to finish. <laughs> All right. So I got two pages, then I'll finish. Forgive me if I lied. The Bible says, though I speak with tongue, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, though I speak with tongue of men and angel and have no charity, I've become a sounding brass or a tinkling symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have no charity, I am nothing. This is very important for Christians. Don't look at the manifestation. Look at your heart. First, 
You can do all this great manifestation, but you don't have the love of God in your heart. No charity. Brother Barnum said something in the message, the super sense. If you see some, if you see one of the members of the body of Christ, please listen to this very carefully. He's not saying a member of the church. He says a member of the body of Christ. If you see one of the member of the body of Christ doing something evil, don't tell anybody. This is wisdom. Christian life. Don't tell anybody. But go to that member and with love and see if you can't bring them back to Christ again. If you can't do it, then tell one person, no two, no three, one person or let them go with you. This is instruction. Do it the way the scripture says. If somebody says, sister so and so and brother so and so, don't you believe one word of it. So let just be real sweet, kind-hearted, forgiving and loving one another. This is real Christian manifestation. You hear someone criticizing? Don't believe it. That should be your first reaction. I don't believe it, brother. Or let come and go ask that brother what you just said. Next time they won't call you. (laughs) They won't call you next time. Because they know if you tell him so and so do this, he will take you to that brother. And you need to face them and say what you heard. We need to find the source of the criticism. Somebody, I overheard. Those are lie statements. I overheard. So and so said. It's not so and so. It's you who are saying it. Just repent and be honest. He says, be sweet. And if the other person talk evil against you, You talk sweet against them. Watch how sweeter it becomes to you then. He said, just always return good for evil, love for hate. No matter when anyone say evil, return good. I know this is very hard for Christians today. But this is the remedy for problems solving. He says, return good. Don't think evil. If you do think evil, you are just hypocritically saying it. Then you are wrong. You just keep on consecrating yourself to God until you really feel good to that person. Someone criticize you, go in prayer. Lord, help me to love them. I came to realize when there is a situation of hatred... The one who suffered the most is the person who cannot forgive. Because the one who's done wrong, they are in a bad state already. God forgive, God forgive. But you who's supposed to forgive, keeping grudges in your heart, it actually 
wrong for your system. You develop migraine headaches. Hatred is bad for you. It's bad. Today in North America, there's people actually going to see psychiatric just to get relief from unforgiving spirit. Something that happened 20 years ago, you're still talking about it. Something is wrong somewhere. You can't be free out of that situation. You need prayer, my friend. That person needs your grace. They need you. But you can release yourself. And forgiveness is not just saying, I forgive you. You are actually releasing that person and yourself. You become free. You don't want to come to church when you see that brother, that sister worshiping God. You say, oh. They're even worshiping. I, I wonder if God is listening to them. They are in the spirit, but you are dying. Hatred will develop a high blood pressure. This is from the science. It's not good for you to be in that state. That's what the prophet says. Consecrate yourself until you feel good about that person. When you can shake their hands and you tell them, I appreciate you. It comes from the bottom of your heart. The prophet says, <coughs> love should govern our homes. Love is the greatest force that ever was ever given. Sorry. Uh, love is the greatest force that was ever put into the power of man. A, a home that is not disciplined by love is not much of a home. If the husband and wife does not solemnly love each other, they cannot trust each other. That's powerful. If you don't love each other, there is no trust because trust is based on love. He says, that's why I think that instead of resting our faith upon some emotion, which is all right, or some gift, which is all right, like shouting, speaking in tongue, and all these things, he says, those things are all right. But if we would come back to the principle, love first, then those things, I think our church will progress a lot faster. And if we would get the love of God first, First, in a message, Laodicean Church Edge, the prophet says, elect, elect cannot persecute elect. If we believe we are the elect of God, we can persecute each other. It's only the reprobate that persecute the elect. Amen. Judas, the reprobate, the demon. Persecute Jesus. Esau, the demon one, persecute uh, Jacob. Abel was persecuted by Cain. When you are persecuting a son of God, you have a wrong spirit. And persecuting is to try to make their life difficult. That's persecuting someone. Tormenting them. Criticizing them. Saying all kind of things. Spreading the wrong rumor about them. That's persecution. And when you do it to a son of God, you better watch your life after that. 
The prophet says, O elect of God, be aware, study closely, be careful, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, rely upon God and be strong in his might. Your adversary, the devil, is even now going about like roaring lions, seeking who he may devour. Watch unto prayer and be steadfast. Christ is the, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Love one another above everything. Love one another. No matter what the devil tries to say. Now you are all one great, big, sweet group. That's very good. I love that. You all are one great, big, sweet group. We are sweet, all of us together. Nobody is unsweet right here. But remember my warning. Satan won't let you stay that way. No, sir. He will shoot everything if he has to bring somebody in to make his target. He will bring some critic or some unbeliever in and sit him down and cause him to fellowship with you under the quietness. And then he will shoot that guy with some kind of a poison stuff and he will start through the church with it. Someone comes to church. He's not a Christian. They'll start spreading rumors. That family, they are witch. I don't know about that here, but in Congo it's a lot. That family is a witch. Don't you see the way the sister looks like? Whew, she's bad. The other day, look at this, what happened. The other day, this, what happened. And they start to formulate stories. Watch that person. The prophet says they will spread a poison and spread in the church. And the person don't know anything. They come to church with all sincerity, but the whole church is poisoned by the wrong rumor. And nobody has the courage to affront and ask. That's sad. The prophet says, don't you take side with it. Don't you have nothing to do with it. He says, you stay right, loving and sweet and kind to one another. Pray for that man that he will be saved too. Because he's not saved when he does that. Oh, that woman. He says, and stick with one another. Stay with your pastor. See, he is the shepherd. And you give him respect. He will lead you through. And because he's ordained of God to do so. Christianity. Has to be displayed in public. In a message the token. Christianity has to display its token. See, publicly. You are no Christian in your room. You are no Christian in your house. Not in the church. You are Christian on the street. That's when we, we evaluate your Christianity. On the street. The way you talk. The way you dress. The way you act. I know a sister one time, she was working somewhere, real good Christian. And they had a, a, a party at work. And she dressed on miniskirt, high heels. Said, so, well, you know, just to please my boss. What? 
to please your boss. Are you pleasing God or are you pleasing your boss? Christianity in the public. It's a public life. At the office, on the street, when trouble is around, that's when you prove your Christianity. When trouble is around or anything in the church, everywhere else, the token for the believer today is the Holy Ghost. Not the blood, the chemistry, but it is the Holy Spirit of God. That is the token that God requires of the church today. God must see this token. You don't prove it to me, you show it to God first. He might see, he must see it in every one of us. Let me tell you today as his servant, unless the token is on the door, there is a spiritual death going to strike. And all the churches are headed back to the council of churches. And, the only, and only those who are genuine, born again, is going to stay out. Don't you rely upon speaking in tongue. Nothing else. But let the token itself, the person of Jesus Christ, his own life be in you. That should be our prayer. The very life of Jesus Christ be in in me. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Uh, You know that song, um, I'm living by faith. You all know that? Okay. Living by faith. Let us stand if you don't mind. Thank you. May Lord over everything and all my mercy. Let us clap our hands together. In Jesus.
Amen. How many believe God spoke to them today? Hallelujah. Ministers were touched. Married people were touched. A young man was touched. A young woman was touched. The church was touched. I think God decided today I'm not leaving anybody out. Hallelujah. I'm going to speak to everybody. Amen. Uh, Brother Obed asked me, yeah, I think it was this morning or yesterday, here, do you use the North America time or do you use the Africa time? I said, okay, we'll use the Africa time. Uh, Hallelujah. Because he's preaching North America, he tells me strictly one hour, they are out. But when you come to Africa, Pastor Chizini says, the more I keep them in church, I keep them out of trouble. (laughs) Uh, A round of applause. Amen. Uh, I think our deal still stands. Whenever you are in the country, you'll go via Weed Bank. It's an open invitation. It's a deal. Amen. We're going to just sing Savior, Savior, and then we'll close with the word of prayer. Brother Church is here. We'll just sum up everything in prayer, and thereafter we'll, we'll release you. Thank you for being patient. I wanted to that we extract as much as we can out of Brother Owen so that he lives empty. Hallelujah. He came full of quotations. We needed every quotation that he had. Amen. God bless you richly. Savior, Savior. Pass me not a gentle
I, for one, God spoke to me uh, in a very personal way with issues that are relevant to me. I don't know if he spoke to somebody in church where you realize there God was speaking to me. And when God speaks to you, it has to move you into action. Because God just, uh, he doesn't just speak. He speaks with a sense of purpose. And if you want to be remembered in prayer, you can indicate by raising your hand. Mine has gone up. I had my portion. Hallelujah. That I must respond to. Hallelujah. Maybe you've had your portion. And you say, God, grant me the grace that when I leave this place, let me do my portion as our brother will pray. Dear Heavenly Father, dear gracious God, Father Lord, we just overwhelm Lord this morning, dear God. Because, Lord, I for myself, Lord, with the, with the church of God, with the brothers and sisters, dear Lord, surely we can say God is spoken, Lord. God is come in the power and the demonstration, Father. And that demonstration, Father, is within, Father, the living word or the bleeding word of this message, Father. What this message was intended for, dear Lord Jesus, in its, in its heights, Lord, in its senate, Lord, in its supremacy, Father, in its purpose, O oh God, Father, as Lord been fulfilled this morning, Father God, in the greatest maybe simplicity to the thinking of this world, Father, but O oh God, Lord, it is come in the greatness of the purpose of God, dear Lord Jesus, preparing us, Father God, Lord, for this translation, Father, if it is taken, Lord, the right way, Father. And we know, dear Lord Jesus, that you have spoken it this right way, Father. And we know this morning, Lord, there's maybe some that's battling, Lord, to accept it that right way, dear Lord. And Satan's trying to convince them that it could mean not this, but it could mean something else this morning. But oh God, we challenge that spirit, Father. And we just pray, Father God, that the Holy Ghost fall this morning, Father. And rebuke the thoughts of God that may be coming from the intellectual minds, oh God, this morning, dear Lord. And allow your children, Father God, to be impregnated, dear Lord, with the Christ man-child word that was put forth to bring forth holy, dedicated, consecrated lives, Father, that will be a voice, a final voice, Father. The voice of God, Father. We saw the books and tapes, Lord, being displayed by the workmanship, Lord, of the printing press, Father. How we appreciate that, dear Lord. But Lord, you moved to vessels, Lord. Lord, you become written epistles this morning, Father. And I believe that you want each and every member of this church to become the voice, the word made flesh, oh God. May you break, dear Lord Jesus, the thoughts of Satan this morning, dear Lord God. 
and allow your children father to manifest oh god your word father if it's little by little as they came into the promised land let it be dear lord jesus help us dear god i pray bless each and every member dear lord jesus and to take for them supply their needs father they may be financial dear god they may be material dear lord jesus there may be so many other needs father but the greatest need this morning father is the person jesus christ the baptism of the holy ghost not just a sensation not just a feeling this morning not just a gift of ministry not just a gift of healing but oh god a life that can call inside father with this message that has come this night to a greater height father unadulterated father we have a privilege to have our brother lord dioka dear god for come from so far away dear lord jesus and to be so mysteriously led lord into the little camp your lord and with bang father god when there were such personal needs prayers lord desires and needs being just answered in such a miraculous way father oh god he he might not even know the extent father he might even not know father god what he has done father this morning father but because of his sincerity and his blessing father oh god we as the church of god we pronounce a blessing father upon his life dear lord upon his family lord upon his children dear lord jesus magnify the work of god lord and the, and the, and the life that he would live for jesus father around the world lord wherever he goes dear lord blessing father in a mighty way as you have blessed us this morning father touch him touch the wife so thou knowest their needs father god thou knowest their needs and maybe this was the morning lord that you were waiting for father where we could come with such love and pronounce a blessing over him father and his dear wife and the children dear god we speak it and we believe it father in the name of jesus christ we pray bless the church and the assembly lord and the pastor dear lord and each one of us as we would go out lord and take this wonderful a burning token and testimony father and we would preach it lord to the workplaces maybe not with one word father spoken but with a holy sanctified dedicated life to this message that they would know that there is a bride that loves you dear lord they would know that there is a wife of jesus christ father that they would know lord that right here within this church there's manifested sons and daughters of god we pray this morning father in the mighty name of jesus christ amen Travel safely, Brother uh, Dioka and Sister Anne. Pass our regards to Pastor Richard Dioka. We appreciate what you are doing for the bride around the world. It was a great privilege to have you here. And as the brother in his prayer said, we pronounce a blessing upon your life. Uh, God knows what you need, but as a church, collectively, we pronounce a blessing. Amen. So... 
I don't know, just a worshiping song, then thereafter we go. Please get this tape. It, it may have been longer. It was for a purpose, but I want you to go and listen to it one more time as families. Amen. Maybe this Thursday that is coming, uh, it will be available, or maybe next Thursday, on Sunday you will get it. Make sure that you listen to it as families. There are some profound statements that were said. Very profound. And if you can take them to heart, you will go far. Did you hear the ministers? The counseling for the ministers. How to approach things. Very profound. Just a, a soft worshipping song. I want you to meditate on your way back. God bless you, Krishna. Angels bow before him. 